0: Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Well, it's amazing to think that we've spent uh, two months um, digging around uh, in this uh, passage in 1 Corinthians, pulling out some absolute gold um, from these verses and learning about what it means to be the body of Christ and how we can celebrate the diversity um, amongst us and better understand our role um, in extending grace uh, to one another. Um, very well welcome, my name's Rich um, and I'm one of the pastors here at Revelation Church um, and it's great to see kind of all your faces on Zoom um, and even though I can't necessarily hear your amens and your whoops, um, I can still see the expressions on your faces um, and that's just so encouraging. Um, so I'm going to pray um, and then we're going to uh, get into the meeting today. Lord we just thank you, um, Lord we just thank you for um, Lord the, the the body of Christ, we thank you that we are the body of Christ, Lord, that you have arranged uh, each of us as individual members um, as part of this this body that reflects your glory, reflects your image. Um, And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, give us hearts of faith today. Give us ears to hear all that you have for us, Lord. We pray, um, God, that you would be speaking to us uh, really powerfully um, and, and even today transforming us from one degree of glory to another, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I well, firstly, I just want to uh, thank you all really for, for for joining us on this journey um, as a church and and God's doing some incredible things right across the church with regards to our understanding of uh, race, ethnicity, um, culture and what that means, the impact for that on the church. Um, thank you again for engaging in conversations, whether that's uh, with friends one on one, whether that's in gospel communities or with us as elders or me or my wife and um, so many of uh things across the church was just bubbling away. People are processing, figuring this out. It's incredible um, to be a part of it. Um, And and, and moving forward, I guess we're coming to the end of our series now, but this topic must uh, form part of our ongoing dialogue as a church. Um, The the journey towards radical celebration and inclusion that we see um, ultimately in the book of Revelation, where we see every tribe, language, people, and nation, um, it's only just getting started. Um, And as we come to the end of the series, um, today, what I want to do is just kind of take a slight step back um, from some of the uh, tools that we've been exploring over the last few weeks um, and just look at this passage of um, 1 Corinthians slightly more broadly um, and, 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 and begin thinking um, about how we position ourselves with some of these foundations in place um, to help us become lifelong gracists, um to use the terminology. And so our title today is How to Become a Gracist. Um, and so we've been using Dr. David Anderson's book, Racism, um, to help as, we, as we've unpacked this subject, um, the title obviously being a play uh, on the word racism. Um, and racism can be defined as thinking, speaking, or acting negatively towards someone based on that person's color, culture, or ethnicity. And we challenge this idea with a core message of God's grace as revealed through the gospel. Uh, God's grace is the undeserved favor extended to all people. And so you see grace tackles racism head on and so we've come to define racism as the positive extension of favor towards other people based on their color culture or ethnicity um, and i anticipate that as you've listened to this sermon series and, and and worked through discussions in gospel communities and come to the lord with a humble heart um that you've been deeply moved um that, that you've been moved to a deeper level of understanding of empathy um with one another Um, And my prayer is that as a result, we're better equipped to identify racism as we encounter it in the world and even in the church, um, and engage with our friends, our colleagues, um, our brothers and sisters um, to maintain unity within the body, um, as we see in Ephesians 4, um, and see the truth of the gospel um, tear down this lie of division um, that's been sown by the enemy. And so we're going to explore this passage in 1 Corinthians in two parts. Um, We're going to look at verses 14 through to 20. Um, And then we're gonna look at verses 21 uh, through to 26. Um, And uh, I just wanna reread verses 14 to 20 again. Um, So if you've got a Bible, you might wanna track with me. Um, And I want us to think about the metaphor that Paul is using, um, but instead of actually using the metaphor as the body, um, I I want us to think about it as Revelation Church. Um, I wanna make it literal. And that instead of um, body parts, um, it's our church family. Um, And hopefully we'll see more powerfully um, what Paul is actually getting at um, as we listen to those substitutions throughout verses uh, from verse 14. Um, So it says, verse 14, it says, um, for Revelation Church does not consist of one member, but of many. If a Tom should say, because I'm not Luke, I do not belong to the church, that wouldn't make him any less a part of the church. And if Sarah should say, because I'm not Abby, I do not belong to the church, that would not make her any less a part of the church. If the whole church were Luke's, where would the Toms, the Paul's, the Malcolms be? If the whole church were Abbeys, where would be the Sarah's, the Hannah's, the Joe's? You see, it's a little tongue in cheek, but by making the metaphor literal, you can see all this talk about bodies and members. Paul's making the point that being created in the image of God is not to be created just as carbon copies or clones of each other Um, and actually we see this over and over and over again in the bible particularly in the new testament um, where we see people are created different from one another but people are also created different for one another in fact even at the end of this passage in one corinthians after the bible reading from verses 28 through to 31 we see different people we see different gifts all working together to empower and equip the church for the mission that God's called her to, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And it's when we're operating together in unity that we're more enabled and strengthened to live out this gospel and share the good news of Jesus. Now, you, you, you might be on this call and you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm not a believer. Um, and you're trying to figure out, well, what is the purpose of this unity? Um, Or maybe you've recently put your trust in Jesus and you're still working out what that means. Um, Well, the good news is that we've been commissioned uh, or that we've the good news that we've been commissioned to take to the whole world is this. The Bible says that each of us are turned away from God in our heart and the Bible calls this sin and sin creates a separation from God. And that that divide is just too great for us to make that leap. We're essentially powerless. In fact, the Bible describes it as being held captive um, in our sin. And our separation from God also causes separation and division between others, leaving us lonely and isolated. And the wages of our sin is death. Our punishment for our turning away from God is eternal separation from Him. And it's into this despair and hopelessness that jesus came and lived the perfect life perfectly in union with god perfectly walking with god he then perfectly died in our place for our sin and that gap that separation and um, between us he bridged that gap that we might be brought near that we might be reconciled to god and we do this by repenting by turning away from our sin and putting our trust and full confidence in Jesus' death on the cross on our behalf. And the incredible thing is where we've been reconciled to God, we can also find reconciliation with each other. Relationship with God is restored and relationship with one another is restored in the body of Christ. And this is why we can have such confidence in reconciliation where we see division, wherever we see it, not just across... Um, ethnic lines, but um, across disability, age, uh, divisions, wherever we find um, these divisions, we can have confidence in reconciliation and because the gospel goes beyond them. That's why we can push as a church for a deeper understanding, for a deeper intimacy with brothers and sisters from many different backgrounds and ethnicities, because it doesn't depend on us trying to figure it out, on trying to find the magic answer You see, racial harmony has essentially been accomplished for us at the cross. And so the charge on us then is to live that out. This is why in the the conversations we can have hope when so often the world just seems to be hopeless. Okay, so back to 1 Corinthians verse 18. Um, But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You see, we find a place in the body according to God's design. We receive our purpose, our identity from God. We must resist the pressure to be identified by perhaps circumstances, even by friends or or even church trends and fads. Whatever the latest cool idea is, we don't just go along with it. We receive our identity, our purpose, our calling, our reason for being from God. We don't discover or find our identity, we receive our identity by faith. And this is great, you might say, but to be honest, what has this got to do with race? Well, the ultimate authority on our identity, every part of our identity, must come from the one that created us. And so what does God say about race? So what does God say about skin color? What does the Bible say about you and about me? Well, other than by description, the answer is not a lot. And so at this point, I just want to draw a slight distinction. And I just want to clarify between ethnicity and race. The National Geographic um, gives this description that I think is quite helpful. Um, Race is usually associated with biology and linked with physical characteristics, such as skin color or hair texture. Ethnicity is linked with cultural expression and identification. Now, obviously, within that, there's a huge overlap between them, um, but race tends to center on physicality. Ethnicity tends to center on culture. Race focuses on appearance. Ethnicity focuses on heritage or family. And so where do, so where do we see it in Scripture? Well, if you have an ESV Bible, um, then the word race um, referring to physical appearance uh, is used three times in the New Testament. Um one of those times is in Romans 9, uh, verse 5, and the word doesn't, isn't actually there. Um, the meaning is inferred um, from the passage. Uh, we then see again um, in Acts 7, verse 19, 1 Peter 2, uh, verse 9, the word, uh, the word there is actually genos. Um, genos uh, is actually better translated as kindred or offspring, and um, which means, speaks more of a familial relationship a heritage, a tradition, or a culture, um, more so than necessarily a physical appearance. So where did this idea of race come from? Well, throughout for a brief history lesson um, in two minutes, um, the word race itself um, is actually derived from a French word um, and was used to refer uh, to perhaps where somebody belonged. Um, It actually wasn't really used until kind of the late 16th century and um, so a long time after uh, the bible was written um and at the same time um in the 16th century we also saw the rise of western colonialism and um, that spread throughout much of the, world, the the known world and this word race became widespread wide, became used very widely um, to categorize people um and more devastatingly distinguish between people and therefore how many rights a person would be afforded essentially the darker your skin the less rights you had this led to this led to um legalized treatment of people like commodities this devaluation of people created in the image of god is just so so contrary to his heart so contrary to who he is Um, and this this Concept of race often is then used to excuse and even justify um, some of the worst acts in recent history, um, and and it's the reason that so many of these convers and so many of these conversations on this topic can feel helpless, because in the pursuit of for how we are meant to interpret race, we miss the whole point that race itself is the problem. To strive to understand the tensions and distinctions between races and try and forge true identity and harmonious racial relations is often to reinforce the very problem that caused those issues, that categorizing of people as a social construct, race. Instead of turning to God, the creator of the universe and seeking his truth on the matter, we draw lines between people Instead of reaching out to them, we categorize each other instead of maintaining unity. And so you see, as, as, as Christians, it's not enough just to just to not be a racist and distance ourselves from that when we are surrounded and influenced by a world that is essentially ingrained with racism. Um, and as a church, we should adopt, adopt a position of being what, what scholars call anti-racist. This fighting not to view people according to their physical appearance, striving to be transformed by the renewal of our minds, the the, the rewiring of our brain that instinctively puts barriers between people according to colour, culture, or ethnicity. You see, we were never meant to be clones of each other. Maybe you've ever wondered if you fit in at Rev. Wondered whether you truly belong. Is your presence actually valued, your opinion really considered? Well, let me say this really loud and really clear. As a follower of Jesus, you absolutely fit in. If you've put your trust in the Lord Jesus, you do belong. You are valued, you are treasured. Why? Because we had a series about radical inclusion type of gracism? No, because of verse 18. Because Paul writes, God arranged the members of the body. God has planned it for you to be a part of his family a part of his family where all are welcome. And just quickly <clears throat> on expression here, because there are so many different expressions of our faith in Christ and different definitions of flavours of churches, if you like, from Charismatics to Anglicans, Pentecostals, Baptists, Methodists, Lutherans, etc., and everybody else. And you may be wondering, well, is Rev necessarily the right fit for you? And I think one of the best ways to answer the question is not necessarily to ask do you fit in but actually has God placed you here you see the whole point is that we are different but we have been arranged by God into one body to bring him glory and so moving on to um that that second paragraph there from verses 21 through to uh well initially for 21 through to 24 um The emphasis shifts from self-reflecting, shifts from, well, do I fit in? Am I really part of the body? To thinking about, well, how do we perceive others? And that's where we spent the bulk of this series. So let's read from verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. And so, as I said, this is where we spent a bulk of the series exploring the subtle patterns and habits that can ostracize people and cause them to question their place in the body. Has God really meant for you to be here? And you see, when the church moves away from the purposes and pursuit of God and how he's designed and arranged the church, we stop looking for godly unity and begin looking for uniformity. We no longer celebrate the diversity and beauty of the fullness of God's creation. And whether intentionally or not, we may doubt God's intention for us to even fit together. And I really just have two points uh, that I wanna draw out here. And I don't want to repeat just loads of stuff from the um, series, um, but I want to pick up on this idea that each of us are indispensable. And then later on, as we'll look at it, interconnected. So indispensable uh, means to be absolutely necessary or to not, uh, to not exist or function without something or someone. So for instance, the battery in your phone is indispensable. If you take it out, it doesn't work. And Paul's applying that same logic to the church. If you remove members from the body, it doesn't function properly. It would be lacking in something. If you lost a limb, you would still be alive, but your body would not be fully functioning. And we can communicate this idea, I have no need of you in several different ways, not just with our words, but with our actions too. So if a particular demographic within the church, uh, Uh, and not consistently made to feel welcome. Perhaps no one uh, is stepping out to greet them. Perhaps people are left to sit alone. Um, No one approaches or takes an interest. In those moments, what's being communicated to that demographic um, is, is, I have no need of you. That may be a coincidence, an honest mistake, a blind spot, But where things like that become repeated patterns and a shared experience within demographics, there's a problem. And I'm not trying to make us paranoid about every detail. Many of us perhaps are unaware of scenarios like this or that it would even happen. Um, But when people might feel vulnerable, instances like this only compound insecurities and push people to the fringes of community. So I'm trying to show, and hopefully you can see how, whether intentionally or not, actions can communicate this subtle message that you don't seem to fit. That I don't know if you really belong here or I have no need of you. And so regardless of your background, colour, culture, or ethnicity, if you have put your trust in Jesus, you belong in the body of Christ. You have a place in the church. And we must build relationships that cross those barriers. We must build those uh, bridges that cross the divisions that that essentially from the world that sometimes creep into the church and take radical steps um, or take, take steps that speak of radical inclusion. And so developing relationships in this context is absolutely critical to the discussion. the the discussions and studies that I've been around over the last couple of months. um, Those that have been most fruitful um, are where there are really strong, healthy relationships that cross cultures, that cross colors, that cross um, everything in between, where those relationships are founded on love and trust. Um, In doing so, we create environments where people can learn, where people can be vulnerable, where they can be honest with one another. And in doing so, affirm to one another how indispensable we are to each other. And so jumping in at the middle of verse 24, we see just how interconnected we are. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that liked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You see, there is to be no division. We suffer together, we rejoice together. This is quite a hard concept um, for us to 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 grasp. We live in a in a hyper individualistic society. Everything is centered on me and yet Paul here says share, feel, even experience one another's suffering and rejoicing. You see, we are members one of another. The incredible truth of the gospel is that we've been brought together. In Galatians uh, 3, verse 29. Um, I'm just gonna read it quickly. One sec. There we go there is no Jew or Greek, there is no slave nor free there's no male or female for you're all one in christ jesus and if you are christ's then you are abraham's offspring as according to the promise that's incredible but we're members of the same household that if you like our heritage as we're abraham's offspring we're all derived from the same family, from the same place. And so we must, we need, we ought to think more corporately in our day to day. That we're family. That what I do affects you and what you do affects me. And one of the idols in our society, one of the things we might devote ourselves to is this, is this idea of just being consumed um, by yourself. What will make me happy? What do I need? What do I want? What about my role? Do I have a voice? Am I valued? And Philippians two verses three to four says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Do we consider, do we count others more significant than ourselves? You see, there is an honouring as a preferring of others. How can I serve you? What will help you? Do you feel included? Are you feeling vulnerable? Do you feel valued? How can I love you? You see, we have a common identity not defined by our physicality what we look like, what we wear. Not even defined by our character or our goals or our ambitions. Our common identity is defined by the example and the teachings and the person of Jesus Christ. Our identity is revealed in him. As we worship him with every breath, as we receive um, his gift of grace to us, as we put our trust in his work on the cross. He speak words of life, truth, identity, affirmation over us. And so our blueprint for life is the Bible, is the word of God. And in that we share a common destiny. Our common destiny is to surround his throne as described in Revelation 7 verses 9 to 10 and praise and worship him. It says, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb." That's our common destiny. That's our common identity in Christ. And so verse 27, now we are the body of Christ and individually, members of it now we are the body of christ and individually members of it now we are revelation church and individually members of it and as this conversation continues nobody's pretending that we're going to get things perfect nobody's pretending that we're going to come up with all the answers all the solutions and fix it we know our destination we know revelation 7 where this is heading But as we embark on this journey together, we've got to take steps of faith towards radical inclusion. We've got to be those that that, that don't conform to the pattern of this world, but are renewed by the transforming of our minds. I'm going to pray um, and then I'm going to hand back to Shay, I think, who's going to lead us in another song. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your grace revealed to us. Lord, thank you that in you, we find purpose. Thank you that in you, we find identity. And Lord, it's not that we aren't different. Lord, we are different. We celebrate your, your incredible diversity amongst us. Lord, we, we genuinely celebrate that. And we wanna get better at celebrating that. Lord, and we want to celebrate all that you are doing amongst us, all that you have done in and through us. But Lord, we also recognize that we are different for one another. Lord, that where you've made us distinct and different, Lord, we can bring that part of ourselves to your body to celebrate your great and glorious name, the wonderful truth that we have held out in the gospel. Lord, we put our confidence in you afresh, King Jesus. And Lord, we just celebrate that we are the body of Christ. And Lord, we are individually members of of it and as individuals created in the image of god we bring that to bear to love one another to serve one another to value one another to celebrate honor lift up one another we pray in jesus name amen